Welcome to Campus Store Conversations, brought to you by MBS. Today's host is Beth Gallagher. She's been an MBS Field Marketing Territory Manager since 2004. Today I'm at the University of California, Davis. I am seated with Jason Morgan, Executive Director within Student Affairs, and Aaron Ochoa, Director of UC Davis Stores. We're here to have a conversation about building campus relationships, including experimenting with customer service programs. Before we dive into our discussion, will you please each share your collegiate retail backgrounds? Let's start with Jason. Okay, thanks Beth. I'm happy to be here. I started my uh, retail collegiate career in 1993 at San Diego State University. And uh, from there, I joined the Follow Higher Education Group in an off-campus store at San Diego State and then for an on-campus store at Golden Gate University um, before I came to UC Davis in 2002. And I've now been here for 18 years. Wow, thank you. And Aaron, your turn. What's your background? Thanks, Beth. I, too, am very happy to be here. Um, I actually started within my collegiate career as a student employee. So I had my undergrad at University of Nevada, Reno, where I was a student employee there first and starting in 2000 uh, 2000, uh, in the computer sales department. And then from there was offered a position full time and I moved into the course material space. I spent a majority of my time there in the course material space and ultimately worked from a buyer's position up through an associate director position uh, overseeing both course materials, technology, and school supplies, and was then uh, offered a position here at UC Davis about three years ago as a director of the stores. Jason, I've heard before your guiding philosophy for the store experimenting with new programs. It's like the Nike slogan, just do it. Why is that, and how did you create the culture where this is acceptable on your campus? Well, like with many things, uh, I think it was originally done through trial and error. And so we sort of landed in a place where uh, we sort of understand a little bit better about how uh, innovating is acceptable within a higher education environment. And probably the biggest piece of um, uh, knowledge we learned along the way is that when you're trying something new, it's extremely helpful to attach the word pilot to the end of it because uh, particularly at an institution such as UC Davis, which is a research institution, we're always challenging the way things are done. That's what all of our scientists do. And so when we sort of put our role on campus into the same context that we're challenging the status quo, just like our researchers do, and creating a pilot program, the word pilot creates a certain level of comfort because very often when someone is trying something new, the biggest fear is, what if it doesn't go well? And so when you attach the word pilot to it, you are sort of suggesting right at the outset that if this doesn't go well, we will either alter it or cancel it. This isn't necessarily a permanent program. So even when we are launching what we feel is going to be a permanent program, we have found it very useful to use the word pilot. Oh, that's a great way to make your campus comfortable. And at the same time, you're showing your store as an innovator. Yes. Now, Aaron, why is it important for college stores to build strong student and campus relationships? Well, I think it's very important to build those relationships for a couple of reasons. One, you have to remember who your audience is. You know, we have these students and they're coming in and that's who our clientele is. We need to understand who they are and what they need. And one of the things that we were able to do for such a long time is as Monopoly, we were able to just have product and then students would come in and buy and that was it. 
Now, with there's being so many different options for students to get at least their course materials and even some of these other products that are out there, it could be Amazon or anywhere else online, then we need to understand what do they need? What are they utilizing you know, their resources for outside of the college industry uh, or outside of Canvas in general? And so without knowing them or getting a chance to understand them, there's no way that we can actually service them. Now, moving on to the faculty and staff and, and the administration folks on campus, that's a little bit different too because ultimately we need their support. Anytime we're doing a new project or even as we're trying to get course materials from faculty, we need them to help us do that. And so if we can provide ourselves as, hey, we are the folks that are here to help you and then give them a face to a name. And I think that's the biggest piece of the puzzle because as you go through these processes, if you give them someone who they can see you and they understand who you are, it's no longer the bookstore is reaching out to me to ask for this. It's Aaron is reaching out to ask for this. And that's a much different uh, conversation to be had at that point in time. Because now I've now created a situation where I'm on a, on a first name basis with someone and they're more willing to at least accept the conversation or you know ultimately help me when I need it. Anything you'd like to add to that, Jason? Uh, no, but I think, uh, you know, one of the things that I like to say to our staff is so, and anybody could use this same strategy with the department on campus that's physically closest to them. So for us, it's the Center for Student Involvement. Their offices are right down the hallway from ours. And so very often our staff assumes that everyone on campus knows what's happening within the bookstore. And so I usually counter that by saying, can you tell me what's happening in the Center for Student Involvement? And they basically say, I have no idea what's happening in the Center for Student Involvement. Well, what makes you think people know what's happening in our operation? And if they're the department that's right next to us and we see all of those people every day and we don't know what's going on there, I think it becomes very apparent why it's important to get out on campus and talk about what we do. Oh, that's a great question, and that's something that any college store out there can ask their staff to, to test if the relationships are there. Yes. Okay, let's get into some of the actual programs. What are some of the story events that you've designed to build your relations with the student body and campus? The first one that comes to my mind that maybe we could talk about is Smart Start. That sounds great, and I think I'll take this one and let Aaron take the other one since uh, this was before his time here. And so, although it continues, so he knows, I can talk about how it started, um, and Aaron has uh, continued with the program since he's been here. But this was actually a student employee driven program. And so when we think back of sort of the beginning of e-commerce for bookstores, we all kind of called it textbook reservations. And it was sort of like, uh, it was sort of like the birth of store pickup, but it was done in a little bit different way because we couldn't necessarily allow people to select individual books. We kind of like gave them their entire schedule worth of books. But when our students watched us doing that, that was when the era of Amazon had already begun. And they thought it was strange that our differential advantage was that we existed on the campus and we were connected to the campus. And yet we were acting similarly to an anonymous online retailer by new students coming in. And instead of engaging with them, we just handed them a box of books. And they said, that's really impersonal. And quite frankly, Amazon does that better than you do because they deliver it right to my house and I have to come pick it up. And so they said, why don't you take advantage of your differential advantage and the fact that you're here, you know UC Davis, 
student employees have taken the courses that the students who are purchasing the books have taken and can ask questions. So that was really the birth of the idea where when dorm move-in weekend happened, we created an event called Smart Start and we invited all of the students and their uh, families or whoever were, was dropping them off um, to come into the store and we had our a whole bunch of student employees um, staffed more so than we would normally be staffed because we knew it was going to be a busy uh, event. And when they came into the store, we immediately asked each um, new student and their family um, if we could help them and then sort of acted as personal textbook shoppers. Because think of, you know, in most traditional K-12 environments, your books are handed to you. And then you turn them in at the end. And so, and then all of a sudden they come to college and it's a totally different experience. And most freshmen, I can remember back to my freshman experience, I was very confused about what I was supposed to do. And, you know, I was sort of asking my other freshman friends what we should do. And it was like, none of us knew what to do, right? And so we thought, how cool are, we have a lot of student employees who are upperclassmen who have been there, have experienced it. And they're also a lot more comfortable talking to their peer versus um, somebody else. And so that was sort of how the whole program began. It's, it's been very successful for us and uh, we continue um, using the program today. And that came from a student idea. It came from a student idea. It was a student developed program and actually the students really run the, almost the entire thing. Excellent. Aaron, uh, what's your program late night shopping at the campus store and what was that a solution to? Late night shopping actually does a couple of things for us. And so, I mean, originally what it was was a way for us to help draw out how long our lines were. So what we did is we said, okay, well, you know, we have these huge lines during operation hours of 830 to actually during rush, it's eight to, you know, eight to six. So we thought, well, if there's a, how is there a way that we can make it so the students aren't waiting in line as long? And so, well, first thought was, let's extend out those hours. So we did. So ultimately, we've extended out our, our first two days of rush from 8 a.m. to, uh, for, at this time, it was actually 10 p.m., but we've actually reduced it down to 9 p.m. now. And so what that did is that gave us an extra you know, couple of hours, extra three hours there to then allow students to be coming in and so forth. So hopefully that kind of lets us, again, draw that out a little bit. So we're still seeing the same amount of customers, but we're just seeing them over a longer period of time. So some of the incentives that we offered during that time frame is we actually offered a 10% discount to students, including a discount on course materials, which that was the big factor. Is, you know, it's during rush, we want them to come in, how are we gonna get them to come in late? You know, nobody wants to come in after class is over and stay around and do that. However, when we give them a little bit of incentive, we say, hey, we're gonna give you 10% off, not just, you know, your binders and, and clothing and so forth, but when you're actually saying 10% off of textbooks, that is a reason for students to want to stay and come in a little bit later. And so again, it allows us to kind of shift those students to, to a later date and do that. So logistically, it helps us from that perspective. It gives the students an opportunity to get some cheaper textbooks, which is always a benefit to us too, because then it actually shows that, hey, the stores is trying to do something for us when it comes to the course materials and course materials costs. So that's kind of where, what late night has been for us. Um, you know, realistically, the only reason we changed the 10 o'clock hour to the nine o'clock hour had to actually do with the, the bus system that runs here in Davis. The last buses run, leave at 10 p.m. And so if the students weren't done with the transaction and out and missed those buses, then they would have to find some other way to get home. 
And so that was the reason that we reduced it down to nine. So that gave not only the students who were coming in to purchase course materials, but our student employees the ability to make sure to catch their buses so they can go home in the evenings. Oh, great idea then for all around. All around, yeah. Your store has also gotten into other areas that people might not initially think as being under the store. For example, health and wellness has become a focus of, of some of your new initiatives, like Relax and Restore. Can you explain that? Sure, sure. Relax and Restore actually came from, from another uh, industry person or, or piece. It actually came from the College Store Magazine. There was a article in College Store Magazine about two years ago that kind of talked about wellness and talked about some of the stresses that students are going through, uh, such as you know when they're when they're going through finals, what are they what are their worries? What are the what are those stresses due to them during that time? Um, and you know, we're talking about anxiety, we're talking about fatigue, we're talking about multiple things, and including their mental health in terms of, of their overall uh, wellness. And so they talked about well, what are some things that the campuses could do to help alleviate that. And we took kind of that in stride and said, okay, well, what can we do as a store to help students get through this finals time that we know is a stressful time for them um, and, and show them that we care about them as students and them as people, not customers. So there's a couple of very important things that go on here. When we do our Relax and Restore event, there is no sales. Everything, our giveaways, we give away free Scantrons, we give away free blue books, we give away pencils that say good luck on finals. Um, we have vendors that donate snacks, so we ensure that we have some healthy snacks available that we can give out for free. We do different events, uh, some tactile events, some art events, just some things that we've kind of read up that says, you know, when, when someone can take five minutes away from a stressful situation and play with Legos, we're just gonna throw something out there, that, you know, that could help relax. You know, one, one of the big things that we do, and probably the most impactful one, at least it seems that way because we get the biggest turnout, is we work with a group off campus that's called Therapy Fluffies. So it allows us to bring in puppies, and everybody loves puppies. <laughs> and so, you know, even when students are just walking around and they see a dog, you, you want to pet them, you want to see them. But when you're in that mindset of, I, all I'm doing is studying, all I'm doing is thinking about these classes, all I'm doing is trying to get through this, and you have an opportunity to step away, take a breather and pet a dog, get a free snack, don't have to worry about buying Scantrons or Blue Books or whatnot. All of that helps. And the whole point of that, of the program itself too, is again, to show the students that we care about them as people. And that's one of the things that's very, very difficult. As a store, we have a negative um, image. We have always had a negative image. We are the retailer on campus. So as viewed, you know, we are that group that takes, takes money from you ultimately. That's kind of how that, that, is, that is seen. I mean, when you get to campus, everything is paid for. Everything is included in that big word that we call tuition, except course materials. So that's the one other thing that you gotta pull your wallet out and buy again. Um, and so we kind of have, have, over time, become that negative, again, that negative entity. And there's many times where we are working on a program and say a li the library is working on a very similar program. When you talk to students or even staff or faculty about it from the store's perspective, it's, oh, what is the store trying to get out of me now? But when you hear it from the library, like, oh my God, it's the greatest thing ever because the library is doing it. And so this is one of those ways to help us kind of move ourselves out of that, hey, we're not just here to be your retailer. We're here because we care about you. And so that's kind of where the Relax and Restore event is coming from.
Well, and that ties into the trend of younger consumers wanting to form relationships with companies that are seen as caring and philanthropic and doing something for the good. So you're tying into your students' care with also a concern that they would have with any retailer in general. A lot of them want to know what good is a retailer doing that they're buying from. Another hot topic on campus is student food security, how that ties into learning outcomes, how that could even tie into retaining students. And your store has stepped in on campus and helped to address this topic. What has your store done? Well, the biggest thing is we were the first entity on campus to be able to accept EBT, which is on in California. We call them SNAP benefits, CalFresh, um, you know, lack of a better term, it's food stamps. That's what that's going back. That is what the term you know was then, and that's ultimately what it is. And so that allowed us a couple of things. So we understand that sixty percent of our students are on full financial aid, and the UC system has a very robust financial aid package that helps them when it comes to their academics and, and paying tuition and so forth. But there's nothing in there that helps them pay for food. So within that, we realize, okay, if we've got 60% of our students who can't spend one cent to pay for their, their education, the state of California has determined that, then how do we expect them to pay for other things? Housing, you know, getting to school, you know, putting gas in their car, and then food, amongst other things. And so that was kind of our point there is, well, how do we help that? How do we do that? How do we make sure that these students have this other piece? And so since there are federal um, programs out there that allow them to utilize funds, we figured, well, we need to be able to accept those funds. And that really is what it's come into, is that we're saying, hey, we're willing to accept the funds. We provide the, the types of, of food that they're requesting. Uh, we now accept it in two different locations, one at our main campus location within the Memorial Union, and then the second one, which is over at the ARC, which is our activities and recreation center, or the gym. Um, they have it there. Interestingly enough, as we go through that, what we see is about 20% of our overall sales end up being from EBT customers. So that tells us that we're doing something right. So in one of the, the store locations, it's about a $1.2 million um, uh, store, and it provides, again, about 20, 20 to 22% of that is the EBT customer. So what we're trying to also see now is, okay, that's 20%, but if we're saying 60% of our students don't have the means to do things, that means there's still a 40% gap of students who either have not applied for and received these benefits and potentially can. So campus itself has put together a, a basic needs group that is two doors down from us. And one of their main objectives is to ensure, you know, to make sure students know that these services are available to them and to help them apply through the process. And so we work very closely with them so that they know, hey, student, when you apply through the process, this is how you do it. And once you receive the benefits, you can utilize them here. And that is kind of the whole point about trying to be able to work with campus on those pieces to figure out how can we ensure that these students have the food they need to be successful. Um, because like we said, there's, if you're worried about where your next meal is going to come, you cannot focus on learning whatever it is you're trying to learn. And so we need to make sure that the students have that ability. Great idea. Now, how do you get the word out? Do you utilize social media? What platforms are you on? Mm -hmm. uh, so we do use social media. We have a marketing team that, that does that for us. 
uh, that we work very closely with in terms of which events that we have and how they're going to be displayed. Um, we are on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, we actually recently just pulled ourselves away from Twitter because what we were seeing is that Twitter was mainly being utilized for things like um, events and information, not necessarily retail type pieces. And so we, we stopped using Twitter in that aspect, but we use Instagram very, very heavily. And then Facebook's the other one that we use very strongly. And believe it or not, we still get the best bang for our buck when we're doing things via email. And so we do a monthly email blast that has information about not only what's happening in the store, but also what's happening uh, on campus. And it allows us to then talk about things like, okay, if there's a football game going on or the 5K is happening, um, it then allows us to show those other campus entities in which we're partners with that we're trying to help promote their pieces too. And it just helps kind of bridge that gap. Uh, so I, you know, for us, yeah, we do prevent, um, have all these events on social media. And of course we have them on our website too, so that you can see them there. Uh, however, the, I think the big ones are our email blasts and then the, the Instagram pieces. You wouldn't happen to know your click to open ratio for your emails, would you, or your average? You know, I don't, but I'd be glad to get you that information. Oh, that would be great to find out. Sure. Mm -hmm. Well, and the other thing I would say is with you having that email list, those are people who have signed on to be emailed. And the other thing about it is we've seen social media platforms come and go. Remember Friendster, MySpace, and and we don't know if all the current platforms will remain or if they'll stay in the form they're in. But I would say having your email list is invaluable because no matter what happens to the platforms, you're going to have those people to contact directly. Correct. Yeah, very much so. So what has been the student and campus administration's reaction to your different programs and the new initiatives that you've gone into? Sure. You know, it's interesting because when we'll use Relax and Restore because it's actually one of the fun, funner ones to talk about when we see the students. There's lots of times, you know, we're doing the tabling and we have all of our products there. Like, we have the free, the free snacks and, and the scantrons and everything. And the pencils even say, good luck on finals from UC Davis stores. But we also have, you know, within the table, we have our tablecloth that says UC Davis or something. And our students come and they look and they say, you, you know, who are you? And then we tell them, they kind of look at us and they're like, you're the stores? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. Like they weren't expecting it. And so I think that was one of the, that's one of those positive things when you're like, okay, then we are making that difference. We're making that change. They're, we're changing their mindset to go, okay, we're not just here again to take their money and whatnot. We're here to ensure that they're, um, being successful and we're here to help them as, as students and so that part has been very very good in terms of, of feedback from um, administration and faculty on, on these programs you know some of them are very specific to the student um, you know from we report up through student affairs so I think that's very important for, for college stores to understand is depending on which line you report up you have different goals and set forth before you since we come up through student affairs Again, working on things like food insecurities and ensuring that students have enough food to eat and their well-being. All these things are important because that's what's important to student affairs as a whole. Um, if we reported up a different line, perhaps we would have some other goals that are set forth. And, and not to say that those things still aren't important, um, but that's just not where we are. Uh, and so as, as we go talking to the administrative lens, again, we're looking at it from the student affairs lens. And from that perspective, we're right in line where we need to be. So what are your suggestions for stores that may be listening that are trying to think about how to better build their campus relationships 
or expand their customer service offerings, particularly for those stores out there that might not feel as well-resourced as Davis? So there are a couple of things, and I think the simplest one is to just get out there. Get out there, hit the pavement. Um, it is, it's difficult, and I say it's difficult because I don't think any of us are trained as salespeople or anything, so we, do not, we don't understand that aspect of things. Um, but getting to know someone is, is not. We do that on a regular basis anyway. And so I'd say, you know, figure out who it is that you want to ultimately start building a relationship with first. Is it the library? Is it uh, ATS, the academic, te academic technologies? Is it a faculty member? Is it a department? Is it a dean? Is it an administrator? You know, whomever it is. And make the effort to say, hey, let's go out and let's meet them. And one of the benefits I can say is if you don't know what to do, if you don't know, you know, if you're going to call a meeting and you don't know what to talk about, offer to take them to lunch. Offer them to take them to, out for coffee because that does a couple of things. If you take them out to lunch, even if you have nothing to say, you can talk about the menu. You can talk about the decor. You can talk about anything else. Um, this is sounding familiar, like rep training. Yes, yeah, so that's exactly what, I mean, that's, that's what it is. Or again, take them out to coffee. Make it not so per or make make it more personal than than work related, and then you can start to build that that rapport with them. And once you kind of built that rapport, then again, next time that a question comes up or next time you need something, it's not the bookstore asking, it's you asking, and that's much much different. So that's that's one piece. And again, you can just start with one person or one department or one. It doesn't have to be the whole campus. I currently, through Equitable Access, am going to every single faculty department meeting sitting down with the faculty for about 15, 20 minutes in their meeting saying, this is what the program is, this is how it's gonna affect the students, this is how it could potentially affect you, do you have any questions? And the reasoning for that is, questions are gonna come up, and I need them to have a face. I need them to say, oh, I remember, Aaron said that if something happens, I can call him. And yep, that's exactly it. I want them to know that, and I want them to think that, and I want them to know that I'm there for them for that purpose. Um, rather than, oh, well, the bookstore screwed this up, or, oh, the bookstore said that that was going to happen. I don't know what to happen. You know, I don't know how to deal with this. They have a face. They know who to contact, and they know that we're going to take care of them. Um, and so that's one piece of the puzzle. The other piece to, to talk about customer service is, and this may be a little more difficult, especially with if you don't have the resources, is find a third party to help keep you in check. And so there's an accountability issue that we tend to have. We all are busy. We all are trying to get things done. But when you have somebody who you have to talk to on a regular basis, maybe it's quarterly, maybe it's monthly, uh, to basically gut check you to say, are you doing this right? Then there's a benefit. We happen to have a company that we do that does like a secret shopper. And so each month, all of our departments are secret shopped. And then we get a report back that says, you know, we tell them we want you to shop us on these things, customer service wise. And it's everything from, did you get, you know, did someone approach you within the first five minutes that you came into the store? Did someone say hello? Were they well-groomed? Did they have a name tag on? Did they know the, you know, uh, have knowledge of the product? If so, did they suggest something if we didn't have it? Multiple things like that. Um, and so monthly we get that. And so that's kind of our gut check to say, okay, if we got hundreds all this month, that's awesome. That's great. We want to continue to do that. It's not how it started. We were getting 30s and 50s and 72s and, and so forth. And now every once in a while when we do get a bad one, then that we can use that as a learning, learning tool for that particular student. We can say, hey, student X, you were shopped last week. This is what came back. 
just so you know, here are the things we need you to do. And sometimes they're things like, we need you to come out from behind the register to greet your customer. We need you to walk them over to the product, not point. We need you to make sure that you're smiling and saying good morning and saying hello, um, not just, can I help you? And you know, if you're on the clock, you need to make sure you're wearing a name tag. And so th there's all these little things that we can use not only for us to make sure that we're doing the right thing, but then we can use it as teaching moments later down for the students. Now, again, that requires some resources, but I'm willing to bet most institutions have some sort of business school or marketing department or something where you can reach out to maybe those faculty members and say, hey, we have a student project for you. Would your class be willing to make this thing, you know, build this for us? And if so, then have them come in and shop and we'll give them a you know, $25 limit that they can spend in the store every time they do it. And they keep whatever it is that they get. So it builds an incentive for, for the students who are building the program to, to want to come in, um, not only and use it as maybe a professional reference, but they get to keep a product. I mean, it gives them something that they can now keep and take home and it, it's payment, for lack of a better term, for coming in and doing the shop. And so there's, there's a way that you can still do these things and basically integrate your campus into it too, where you're not paying maybe a third party to help you do it, but you still get the same outcome. So I would say that could be a way to handle it for those those um, stores that maybe don't have the same type of resources that we have here at Davis. Great. Well, I am sure that other college stores have found what you shared today inspirational and also actionable. So thanks to you and to Jason Lorgan. He had to depart a little early for um, participating today and answering my questions. Of course, my pleasure. Thank you so much, Beth. Campus Store Conversations has been brought to you by MBS.